0: Hi, I'm Jeff Sickingutt, Executive Director of the Ashbrook Center, and this is The American Idea, where we discuss the ideas, people, and events that have made America what it is today. We believe that by understanding our history and our principles, we can better live up to the promise of the American founding and preserve our ongoing experiment in self-government. Welcome to The American Idea. Hello, I want to welcome everyone to this uh, special episode of The American Idea. The Supreme Court is wrapping up its term uh, here, and they've handed down some important decisions throughout the term, including here in the last few weeks and days. So we wanted to turn to our old friend and Supreme Court expert, Professor Josh Dunn, for his thoughts on this term. Uh, Many of you know, Professor Dunn, he, is, he teaches uh, politics at the University of Colorado. Uh, he is a widely published author on the Supreme Court and on the federal judiciary and also um, has edited this wonderful collection called the, the Judiciary Core Documents Volume for Ashbrook has done an absolutely wonderful job in this. I use this in my classes when I teach the Supreme Court. I just shamelessly steal everything I have and know (laughs) from Josh. (laughs) So, Josh, thanks for taking the time today to join us.
1: It's it's great to be with you, Jeff.
0: All right. The court's term. uh, Very timely. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. If you you had to characterize the 22-23 term, Give us a word or a phrase for it what how do you think about it
1: wow so um very very significant term, probably not as significant as is last year's term uh, but when you have three cases just like the three that we've had the the past two days uh, this is gonna go down as as a as a major year in, su- in supreme court history um so yeah i I would you know very significant uh um, to close to being blockbuster status, um, for, for, for the Supreme court. All right. A major year. I like that phrase. It's really helpful
0: to think about a little less than blockbuster, but still more than your, more than your ordinary year, right?
1: Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, there are cases here that we're going to be reading, you know, people read 50 years from now that that's how you, you can look at it. Some real landmark decisions.
0: So take us through in your opinion, and start with one of those decisions either recently or from the earlier parts of this
1: term. So, I, uh, yesterday's decision on affirmative action, I think, is probably going to the, be the most significant decision of this term, uh, for legal reasons and political reasons, just because of, the, uh, of all of the uh, conflict, political conflict surrounding uh, surrounding affirmative action. So that students for fair admissions versus Harvard, of course, there's a North Carolina case, but they combine them uh, uh, into in, into one decision. So uh, I think that that decision, which really does, I think, eliminate the possibility of using race in college admissions, and then also is going to have more far-reaching effects on hiring, I think. Um, uh, and even beyond, in K-12 ed- 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 education, um, it's, 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 there's going to be many years of universities grappling with this. Uh, obviously, some have already indicated they want to try to find ways to work ar- around it, so that means there's going to be more litigation. Uh, but I think that's that's going to be the most significant case of this term. Can you
0: talk a little bit about what you think some of those extended the reaction to this, the effect of this, uh, because you suggest one of one reaction from universities might be let's figure out a way to kind of get around that. And even I saw today right. that Harvard put out a Harvard University put out a statement suggesting how they might try and get around that by saying, OK, we won't use race but we will ask essay questions to give, to let students talk about obstacles they've overcome, including the obstacle of race.
1: Right, yes, so I I think the difficulty for colleges will be that if they, first of all, if they announce that they're coming up with a different admission system to essentially arrive at the same results as a way of getting around the Supreme Court's decision, that's gonna place them in legal jeopardy. I mean, uh, Chief Justice Roberts warned them in his decision and said, look, there aren't going to be, if you just try to adopt some other way of getting, having students write essays as a way of getting around uh, the, the requirements of the dis, this decision, you're going, to, you're going to be in trouble. And he was responding to the, dis, w- w- the dissent uh, by Sotomayor, who essentially said, well, here's how you can get around it. And then he said, look, it's generally not best to rely on dissenting opinions. Uh, for figuring out the requirements of the law. <laughs> um, so I think that the majority in the decision is going to be looking for universities trying to evade uh, the requ- requirements of, uh, of, of the decision. So if I were a university, I would tell people to be quiet. <laughs> um, be careful what you say. If if your goal is to try to come up with a fa- what looks like a facially, racially neutral uh, admissions process, but one that's going to lead to the same kinds of uh, of results, uh, you better not have that in an email anywhere. <laughs> um, I, I would say the discovery process will be interesting uh, in some of in some of these cases. Um, so that's one thing. You will have universities try to do that. There might be some, and there's a big question a debate going on right now about well, could socioeconomic status uh, uh, still still be used? And I think the same. I think I my reading is that a kind of tightly constructed admissions program that does provide uh, advantages to students based on uh, socioeconomic status could, uh, could survive. But if you have a university that implements a, uh, that kind of admissions program, and they end up, with, again, with the same results that they had before, that's immediately going to make uh, the justices suspicious. Uh, but, and, and I, I think say- some of those cases
0: will get to the court. To, to me, that's very interesting because it seems like there's not just a new decision being handed down, but as you're suggesting, uh, almost a new attitude by the court. Because previously, I'm thinking of the Grutter case from 2003. The court seemed much more, we'll take the word of universities. Um, we're not going to police this too carefully. We'll let them develop things because that they really know better than us, or at least we understand their reasoning. And we're not going to police it so vigilantly. And that, that of right. course is not just the court speaking for itself, but also signaling that the lower courts here. You're suggesting the court is adopting a much more vigilant, proactive attitude.
1: Yes, uh, I think you know the the, uh, the request and the court even put it this way in the decision. Chief Justice Roberts put it this way: the, 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 the colleges and universities are telling us, uh, saying, "Trust us," and the response of the court is saying, "We don't trust you anymore." And I, I think that comes from some of the attitude of, of both Harvard and North Carolina to, to some of the justices questioning, uh, uh, particularly at oral argument. I, I actually think their attorneys and the universities themselves made a significant blunder uh, in their strategy because it was clear that the justices did not like the idea that both Harvard and UNC didn't have any date in mind when they might be able to eliminate race conscious admissions, uh, admissions policies. And then they look back to the Greter decision. And they say, well, basically, we kind of said you got 25 years to figure it out. There's famous quote from uh, uh, Justice O'Connor saying, well, in 25 years, we hope that this won't be necessary, won't be necessary anymore. And then at oral argument, and this was, it, it came up in the lower courts as well, that, but at oral argument, I think there were two of the justices who tried to almost throw them a lifeline and say, all right, could you give us some kind of timeframe when you might be able to wrap this up? indicating that if they had given them uh, a date, maybe they would have let them wind it up on their own time. Uh, and then if you're the universities, I would think, well, it's better to, it's clear the way the justices were leaning. It would be better to give them a date. That may, maybe it's after 2028 when the 25 years would be up. But maybe you say, well, 2035 or something like that. Uh, hey, a lot can happen in the intervening years. You can have changes in the court's composition, but they wouldn't even do that. They, they didn't even give them... Uh, some kind of rough time frame. They basically said, "You know, we don't know when it will end. We don't know when we can actually um, meet our expectations for what a diverse student body, uh, diverse student, student body would require." And the justices said, "Well, that just means that we don't trust you anymore. Um, you know, we told you to work towards uh, this. You haven't worked toward it." I see. So um, you also said that this might move beyond higher
0: education into K twelve yep. education. And also into hiring more broadly uh, across the country. And one of the things that's noteworthy is a lot of deference had been given to the use of race in higher education because of the importance of a diverse, Mm -hmm. racially diverse student uh, body, on the assumption that a racially diverse student body means a viewpoint diverse student body. Right. Um, That and if so, more deference was in a way shown to higher education than to K twelve education or to employers. If it's been struck down now in higher education, do you expect the same things to be struck down in K-12 and in other employers?
1: Yeah, so in K-12, through K through 12, um, the court had actually refused to say that race was uh, or diversity was a compelling government interest that could justify the use uh, of race or racial classifications. And that came from this uh, uh, um, Parents Involved versus Seattle uh, case case. And the problem with that case was that there were four justices who said race could never be a compelling, uh, the diversity could, be never, could never be a compelling government interest uh, justifying the use of race. But then you had this odd, uh, really self-contradictory con- controlling, concurring opinion by Justice Kennedy, who said, what was going on in Seattle? And there was another case from Louisville. He said that what they were doing uh, was unconstitutional, but he didn't, he didn't completely close the door uh, to some consideration, to some considerations of race, it wasn't clear what that would look like, though, um, because again, his his opinion was fairly inscrutable. Um, now, fast forward to today, where you see this becoming an issue, is that some school districts, particularly with mag- magnet schools, some some uh, really um, elite magnet schools, one, ones that ha- are known for their academic rigor, uh, have changed their admission standards in order to generate more racial diversity or a student body that looks more like the community that they're in. And most famously, this has happened in Fairfax, uh, Virginia with uh, Thomas Jefferson High School, which is rated as one of the best high schools in America consistently. And two, three years ago, they got rid of their admissions program, which is purely academic merit-based. You, you basically just took this really, uh, really demanding test to see if you could get in. And uh, Asian students were consistently getting sixty-five to seventy-five percent of the seats at uh, Thomas Jefferson, and the school district said, basically, said they, they you know didn't didn't like that because they wanted something that was more racially diverse. Adopted uh, what on the surface appears like a neutral admissions uh, admission system. Uh, but if you go back and look at the reasons that were given by the school district, it raises this question about whether or not they were adopting an allegedly facially neutral system in order to, to discriminate on the basis of race. That is to, to reduce the percentage of a- Asian students and increase the percentages of other, uh, uh, of, of other students. Uh, I don't think that school districts can get away with that now. That's just not going to – I mean, if, uh-huh. if, if you're a school district now – um, those kinds of, if you change your admissions program, uh, a policy, and there's any indication that you were doing it for those reasons, it's going to be struck down. Uh, Fairfax was, they were initially struck down by the federal district court, then the federal appellate court overturned the district court, upholding uh, the, the, the the new admissions policy. Uh, I don't see that surviving, though. Um, I, and I think there, there are some justices who have indicated that they want to take on the case. Um, so that's, I think Uh that's where you're particularly going to see it. Mm -hmm. Um, uh,
0: so this is a major decision, as you say, people, you say people will be reading this case could be for the next 50 years, particularly if it plays out as you're suggesting, and it really does have the effect of removing race consciousness from much of American law and, and especially in education. Uh, what other decisions of the court this term would you characterize as major?
1: So the two that were just announced today, uh, and I've only been able to briefly go through them, but they they were major cases. This 303 Creative versus Alanis. uh, It's about uh, a woman who had a, a a wedding website design design company and wanted to be able to refuse uh, services to to gay couples who wanted to to hire her to uh, create websites, wedding websites uh, for them. And the Supreme Court agreed uh, with the owner of the website uh, design company. Uh, Essentially, their argument was "This uh, this is speech. What she's engaging in is speech. And there's a long line of cases. And one of the most bedrock free speech cases in American history is West Virginia versus Barnett. Uh, from 1943, the famous fat flag salute case, which I'm certain all the teachers uh, have 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 heard of, uh, but the basic principle there is the government cannot compel speech. They can't compel speech, and the majority in this case, again, it was a six to three majority with the conservative bloc, uh, and then the you know, the the three members of the liberal bloc, bloc dissenting. dissenting The 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 majority said this was the government compelling her to engage in speech that she disagreed with. Um, so, so that's going to be significant. So I can clarify
0: that, sorry, Josh, for our listeners. So the Supreme Court previously held gov- free speech means that government can't pro- stop you from saying certain things, but it also means government can't force you to say certain things.
1: Right, right. Yes. Government cannot compel you to say something that you disagree with, like saluting the flag, um, which they held was a, was a form of speech. And there's this famous line uh, from West Virginia versus Barnett, which says there's no... Uh, the no fixed star in our constellation greater than the idea that uh, the no official high or low can determine what's orthodox uh, and compel uh, individuals uh to state their belief uh in that so um yeah, it's been you know, and if you go back if you go look at that decision, that's really the first case the Supreme Court cites uh to base its its ruling on.
0: So is this a continuation from our for our listeners that might want to know, is this case a kind of continuation of the masterpiece um, cake decision? Is it they avoided the decision yeah. in case? They avoided the core issue and just, I think, said right. uh, that the baker had been sort of subject to hostile targeting by the Colorado uh, Commission. we yes. was seeing this here. We don't have evidence of that hostile targeting. We just have them taking, I think, this case up on on the merits of the question.
1: Right, exactly. She was saying that this was going to happen to her uh, under the law. And um, so she had not been uh, punished um, under under the law yet. So this does clean up some of the things from the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, although it's a little bit different because one of the issues in Masterpiece Cake Shop is their protection under the Free exercise clause. Uh, and the court didn't fully address that. All they said, as you indicated, it was that the behavior of the Colorado Civil Rights Commission was unconstitutional because it betrayed animus uh, towards religion and not neutrality towards religion. But it didn't reach the question of whether or not there was uh, protection under the free exercise clause more broadly. That is, that on grounds of conscience, you could uh, refuse to, to, uh, to serve uh, customers uh, who and in the issue in Masterpiece Cake Shop was his, uh, uh again? He was asked to um, create a cake for a, for a gay wedding. So uh, the issue in today's decision was purely free speech, purely free speech. I, I you know I don't think there was any the I, the free exercise clause might have been uh, mentioned. I'd have to, I'd have to go back and look again. But it, it was it was really grounded in 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 freedom of speech and and just uh, so it didn't get to this question of free exercise. So there could in the future actually be cases um, that maybe aren't controlled by this, but are related, that would raise free exercise questions.
0: I, I'm thinking now of the dissent, which I happen to just take a look at briefly today. And I, one of the dissenters asked the question, all right, if she can, if this is a matter of compelled speech, because um Website design is artistic, artistic expression. Mm. That's part of freedom of speech, long held. And the government can't compel her to do artistry, artistic expression in favor of this point of view. The dissent asks, and i wonder if you're, you have some thoughts on this. Well, okay, what's the line? So, so for example, yeah. a, a gay right. couple comes into a restaurant. The restaurant owner says, I, I can't have that in my restaurant. It's opposed to my religious uh, opinions, for example, or my beliefs. Um, Well, what's the line? Is there any indication about that in this case or will that have to be settled by future courts and maybe even the Supreme Court?
1: Yeah, there are gonna be cases that will arise under that. As it stands right now, I can't see how the restaurant owner wins in that case because particularly if you're providing a general service um, and it's not specialized, uh, and so, I, you know, of course, in Masterpiece Cake Shop, that was the issue for the owner of the uh, of the store was that he said, "I will, I will sell you any kind of cake that I've made. I just don't. I'm not going to make a special cake and then write things on the cake um, uh, c- celebrating the ceremony." Uh, and I think there was, you know, maybe something similar going on with his three or three cre- creative uh, uh, case because it was so inherently tied. Then the nature of our work was inherently tied to expression. Uh, even the state of Colorado admitted uh, uh, that she was engaging in expressive activity, um, which was a pretty significant admission. If you go and read Gorsuch's opinion um, that uh, he he emphasized that, that, that they actually admitted that this was expressive. So the case of the restaurant, I think it's going to be difficult to say this is this is expressive uh, uh, conduct that you're that you're engaging in. Um, so I, 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 don't see it, but I think there are going to, there are going to be more cases where people are going to say, look, what I do has an expressive component to it. Um, and therefore I should be, uh, exempt, uh, from, uh, uh from, from these requirements. Hmm. So yeah, there's going to be more litigation. Um, more broadly, religious liberty
0: cases. The last time you and I talked, you, you said that, Rel- religious liberty, particularly free exercise of religion, has been on a roll lately and has been winning at the right. Supreme Court. Are there any cases or or issues in front of the court this yes. past term that suggests that's true um, or, or so not
1: So now you know yeah, the, the case involving the uh postal delivery worker. Um and I'll think of the citation in a second here. Uh, but this was just handed down recently as 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 well. Uh where they were uh he he claimed that and compelling him to deliver mail on the Sabbath uh, was in in violation of his his uh, of, of his rights, and the Supreme Court agreed with him there. Uh, and I'm trying to think about others. Um, there probably are, but that's um, that's the that's the, uh, that's the one that he immediately so, jumps to mind. So, yeah. you know,
0: Josh, you're an observer of the Supreme Court. Were you surprised by that postal worker decision or not?
1: Uh, no, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised. Uh, again, I, I, the court has just been consistently moving in this direction of, uh, of, uh, increasing, um, protection under, under religion, both under the free exercise clause. And I think they'll do so statutorily as well. So, um, I, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised and I, I'd have to go back and I, I think, uh, he, he actually, I'm trying to remember what the breakdown is um, uh, for for the court. That one might have been n- unanimous or close to unanimous. Um, so that was a yeah. So that was an in, yeah that yeah, that was an interesting one, which didn't yeah didn't didn't surprise me too much. So
0: what about other? Again, you characterize this as a major term. Are there other besides the affirmative action case, the website design case, the free speech case? Are there other decisions that you would regard as pretty major, whether those are in constitutional rights or in constitutional powers?
1: Yeah. Uh, so, again, today's decision in uh, Biden versus Nebraska involving President Biden's student loan forgiveness uh, program that. Uh, and again, they, they, they ruled against President Biden, again, a six to six to three uh, split on the court. And I think there are some broader implications uh, to this beyond just that this is a highly salient political issue, uh, and a kind of a centerpiece of the president's domestic policy agenda. Uh, but do, do relate to, uh, longer trends in the court's evaluation of institutional powers. Um, because, uh, what, you know, what, what they argued, uh, what the, what the majority argued was that the, this was not a minor modification of the statute, the heroes act that, uh, President Biden uh, was engaging in it was a kind of a wholesale revision of it, and they they said that look you just aren't allowed to do that under the HOS Act. You can make minor modifications. Congress would would never have expected the the president to to be able to do what he did without going back to Congress uh, for support for it, as so- members of Congress had actually said. Um, but it also there was an interesting concurring opinion by Justice Barrett in in that case where she talked about the major questions doctrine and whether or not that's textually justified. And the court did not decide this case under what's known as the major questions doctrine. But the idea behind the major questions doctrine is that um, if, if some kind of uh, regulatory activity by the executive branch involves a major question that, the 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 authority given to the agency must be really clear, right? Congress must have clearly intended to give, Give the agency the authority to to do what it what it what it wants to do. Uh, Lane, last term, the big case was the West Virginia versus EPA, and Justice Barrett's uh, concurring opinion uh, provides a really full throated defense of the justification for the major questions doctrine, which I also think indicates uh, the a- appetite uh, on the part of some of the conservative justices to to be more aggressive and and restricting the use of uh, executive power, particularly as it comes to administrative agencies.
0: So that means that, as you say, the, the court ruling in this case, that Congress it, it, the Congress makes the law, the president enforces the law. If he's going to enforce the law, he can't change the law so much as to essentially make it a different law. That would be making yes. the law. Yes.
1: Yes. I think that's the that's at the core of the uh, of the Supreme Court's the majority decision again written by Chief Justice Roberts. If I just read it, uh, you know, maybe an hour ago. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But do
0: you think this again? I guess the same question I have that I had for religious liberty. I have here. Do you think, and and you indicated that perhaps among some of the members of the court, is there an appetite on the court to reconsider some long-standing cases? that have bolstered what some people call the administrative state, which is the sort of making of a lot of rules by the federal bureaucracy that have the force of law and have the reality of law. Uh, And people have argued that power needs to be taken back by Congress and it should be Congress passing those laws and not delegating that authority to the uh, federal bureaucracy. Do you think there's a broader appetite on the court to? Uh
1: Absolutely. Uh, very much so. Um, and you, you know, there's some who have been itching to do this before they, since before they got on the Supreme Court. Justice Gorsuch, for instance, uh, has raised questions about what's known as the Chevron Doctrine. And the Chevron Doctrine is essentially a doctrine that gives wide latitude to administrative agencies uh, in their interpretations over their uh, authority. Uh, Uh, that's given to them by Congress. And so basically it's a policy of deference uh, towards administrative agencies. And um, I, I, you know, obviously there's just Justice Gorsuch who I mentioned, but I think there are a few others. So I think the combination between trying to chip away at the Chevron doctrine and this major questions doctrine, the two of those combined mean that there's just going to be a lot more uh, activity by the Supreme Court trying to Rein in, in its view, the executive branch and uh, the, administra- uh, the the administrative state uh, and administrative agencies. Uh huh.
0: Are there other examples this term where you can think of again major decisions where the, uh-huh. the court has been particularly active or aggressive or really willing to take on? The law probably are,
1: but they're escaping me at the moment. (laughs) uh, How about about any questions?
0: You know, we we, we've been talking a lot about domestic issues. How about any Supreme Court decisions this term that you think are important for our listeners to know about matters of national security, foreign affairs, the border, anything like that?
1: Yeah, again, this is what they, they, there must be. But right now, I'm just, you know, I've been I've been thinking about these this, these past two days so much. I'm having trouble remembering of what's happening because, yeah, they do say they tend to say that. But, but if they're uh, you, you must have something in mind. Maybe you can jog my memory. But uh, what's well, the, uh, I was
0: I was thinking know? of the one case and maybe it doesn't rise to the level of major. Yeah. But um, the the case brought by Texas in um, the question oh, of yeah. who has control of sort of foreign policy around the borders.
1: Right, right. Yeah. So um, yeah, so that's, that's significant. There's some, you know, that, that's where some of the conservatives split. Uh, and um, yeah, so that's, yeah, that, that, that's, that's one where, and it raises questions of federalism, uh, of course, uh, you know, because states that are on the border have been particularly Texas and Arizona. Uh, have, have been arguing that more needs to be done. If more is not done, that they need to be empowered to uh, uh, to do more, and that. Uh, so that. But of as course, I understand uh, it, when them, you say yeah. the,
0: the conservative split. As I understand, it, yeah. yeah, it seems right based on the vote. And I understand right. it. They're really splitting over: do states still have authorities to sort of police borders? Like, can right, the, right. the governor send the national guard, or yeah. do they have to back off because? Some areas under our Constitution really are reserved just to the federal government. And even if the federal government's not doing what you think it should be doing, it's still left up to them.
1: Yeah, I think that's the implication of the decision. Yeah, that's, yeah, states, it doesn't matter how, I mean, states can believe that the the federal government is failing to do its job as much as they want. Uh, But I think the implication of the decision is this is a federal issue, and so the states are not allowed to intervene. Mm. Um, Yeah.
0: So would you characterize, I mean, it's interesting listening to these decisions that that, I guess that's not really a matter of deference to either side. It's ruling between a state and the federal government. But would you characterize this court? I mean, I'm just thinking of President Biden's remark. Someone at a press conference asked him, what do you think about these decisions? He said, this is not a normal court, were his words. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think of that assessment of the Supreme Court? And by that, I think he meant, at least in part, They are very, very active, and some people might even say activist.
1: Yeah, so uh, that's actually what the dissenters argued as well in the um, Biden versus Nebraska case, which is interesting because if you look at the dissenters, I mean, for a long time, um, uh, justices on the left actually engage in a kind of full-throated defense of, of activism. That is, the court needs to play a robust and aggressive role. In in our uh, in, in our in our political system, and the I think it was actually the first line uh, of the dissents in Biden versus Nebraska calls out the majority for going beyond the proper boundaries of uh, 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 for the Supreme Court under the Constitution. So the question, though, is whether or not these terms activism versus restraint actually have any real meaning, though. Um, The fact that you can see both sides kind of switching on it makes you question whether or not there's any substance uh, to to, to those to those terms. I've often I've long been skeptical of the claim that they actually mean anything other than uh, because because what happened is activism kind of became a dirty word. Uh, and so what happened was, uh, activism is all the stuff I don't like and restraint is all the stuff that I do. Uh, Uh, so it's really a signal of what, of what you like. Now, I do think that what you, you can say is that in some ways it's abnormal because politically for a long time, the court did end up, um, giving, uh, and supporting, um, positions that were, were really central to the left in the United States. You know, obviously, you know Roe versus Wade uh, decisions on on sexual autonomy, uh, uh, Lawrence versus Texas, and and Obergefell, and, and so they they were. I, I think people got used to that uh, that the court always kind of moves if it's going to move, particularly in these hot hot button social areas, it's going to move in one it's going to move in one particular direction, and it's not doing that anymore. <laughs> so in that in in that sense, it's it, it's different than what's come before. So uh, you can see why why President Biden um, used use that term. Um, so
0: so would you say that uh, you the course of cases you were talking about, the affirmative action case, the website design case and some others here, uh, you mentioned that a lot of the votes were six to three, six yeah. conservatives, three liberals. That's the way, of course. The media often, and certainly though, that's true. They voted that way. The media often portrays the court as divided between conserv- political conservatives and political mm-hmm. liberals. Do you think this term justifies that characterization, or is it more complicated than that?
1: It's more. It's more complicated because in most cases, you don't. Uh, I, I don't think you see that breakdown. It just you tend to. You do tend to see it though in these more higher profile cases that raise often um, social issues or really uh, divisive political issues. Oh, I, I'll give you another case, though. Uh, they, um, the Moore versus Harper case, uh, where uh, which will also go down, is, is significant because Republicans had argued for what's known as the independent state legislature doctrine. And their argument was that under the Constitution, state legislatures were given sole control over their um, uh, the the drawing of district lines uh, for both Congress and state state legislatures and the uh, uh, basically saying that state courts could not intervene shouldn't be able to intervene they would have no voice uh, now federal courts of course have long intervened in in redistricting redistricting cases but the idea was they couldn't because North Carolina Supreme Court had had, had uh, declared that one one. Redistricting scheme by the state legislature was unlawful, and uh, the Supreme Court rejected that. Uh, but I think it was six to three, and I think it was just Chief Justice Roberts and Chief Justice uh, and Justice Barrett, I believe, or maybe Kavanaugh, that joined the the three in the uh, uh, members of the, the liberal bloc in, in ruling against uh, North Carolina uh, in that case. So you do say, see, sometimes see uh, see breakdowns like that. Uh, but there's an element of truth that, I mean, you have a pretty good idea where at least three justices will wind up on these higher profile cases on on the left and four to five justices on the right. You got a pretty good idea. Uh, There can be some uncertainty though. Chief Justice Roberts can sometimes vote against expectations. Uh, Justice Gorsuch uh, can vote against conservative expectations. After all, he was the one who said that Sexual orientation and gender identity were protected under the Civil Rights Act, um, which makes which makes today's decision interesting in the Three Hundred Three Creative case because he he wrote the majority opinion there, and so the person who wrote the wrote the opinion essentially declaring um, those categories as, as protected categories uh, um, uh, also authored author this. Um, so he can he can vote against expectations. Kavanaugh too, as well. Um, But in general, you know, there's 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 an element of truth to it.
0: And and what about uh, the newest justice, Justice Jackson? She replaced Justice Breyer, I think. Um, Yes. That made what impact or effect, if any, has she had on the
1: court? I don't think much simply because uh, she votes the same way Justice Breyer uh, would have voted um, on, on these cases. It maybe moves it some to the left uh, because Justice Breyer could sometimes vote against expectations. Um, uh, not often, but but sometimes. I don't I don't see her doing that though. Uh, but I can't think of any cases where I would have said, "Oh well, Justice Breyer might have voted differently uh, than Justice Jackson." So far,
0: um, is there a particularly uh, for our listeners who are not the kind of dedicated Supreme Court watcher that you are? Are there was there a particular case this year that sort of flew under the radar that was really important that just didn't get a lot of press, or that a case that we ought to be thinking about or considering that again didn't get wide publicity that was important for this term that we just might not really know much about?
1: Yeah, I I'm certain there there will be one. Uh, and there, it seems like there, there there are always cases like this, but it, sometimes it takes time to identify them. Oh, yeah. Uh, because you don't know what's going to how they're going to be litigated, uh, mm-hmm. what what you know, what, what the principle, how the principle is going to play out in, in lower courts. So I'm certain this.
0: Yeah, I was just going to wonder it. Well, OK, so was there a case or a decision or an outcome that surprised you this term? Or, or voting along the lines of what observers like you kind of uh, thought it would be voting?
1: Yeah, um, I, I, I'm not terribly surprised by any of the outcomes that, I, that I've seen so far. Again, particularly in these, these ones that we've been paying the most attention to. Uh, and you know, if you listen to oral argument, too, you know, predicting based on oral argument can be dangerous. Uh, but, um, it's one of the best guides we we have. And so, I mean, you can kind of get a sense of where the, where the justices want to go from, 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 or from oral argument. And so, you know, particularly in, in these cases, I think I listened to, well, the the big three from today, I, I, I listened to the oral argument and I'm not terribly surprised, um, based on the, on the oral argument. the the one where i thought well maybe there could have been a different outcome uh would have been the biden versus nebraska but on standing grounds but i i wasn't terrible i i didn't think that was going to happen but i thought that if it was going to if there were going to be a different outcome you might have seen a couple of the conservative justices say that none of the plaintiffs actually had standing and therefore uh they they couldn't uh couldn't decide the issue uh but so, obviously they did. They said Missouri has standing. And so uh, and you only have to have one uh, as long as one of the, the the plaintiffs in any of the cases um, has standing and you can decide the whole issue.
0: So what what do you think is next for this court for uh, are we going to see in the next term? Are there other big cases coming down the track that the court has already taken <sighs> or bubbling up? And do you think that kind of yeah. 60 block pers- will persist into next term?
1: Yeah, I do. I think it's going to persist. Uh, and I don't I, I haven't seen any really big cases. There might have been some that have have uh, been granted certiorari. Uh, and, and there are always some and you never know what's going to arise, too. I mean, after all, the student loan forgiveness, <laughs> no, know uh, that, that that kind of came up pretty quickly. Um, so you don't know exactly what's going going to happen. I do think there's a very strong likelihood that this um Case about Thomas Jefferson High School in Fairfax gets to the court fairly soon, probably likely next term. Um, but uh, and that that'll be a, that that will be a big one. Uh, I do expect to see more cases involving administrative power, um, and some of those aren't going to raise the most. Um, that, I mean, the issues won't necessarily be the most exciting sounding issues, but they have will have significant implications for the power of the administrative state. Uh, yes. So I'd expect to see a few cases like that uh, keep keep getting in the court guns. Um, I wouldn't be s- surprised to see another big Second Amendment case um, as the court has to c- continue working out what what the doctrine on the, the Second Amendment is going to look like in practice. Um, so, yeah, um, well, we will have to have you back at the beginning of the court's term this coming fall right.
0: <laughs> to preview, right. preview what's likely ahead for the court. Uh, Josh Dunn, thank you again for taking the time to join us today. Really appreciate your insights into, as you said, what was a major term for the Supreme Court.
1: All right. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The American Idea. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe at Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a five-star review. If you want to learn more or get involved in Ashbrook's vital work, visit our website, ashbrook.org.